rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Cosmic Force. I am one of your hosts, Emma Park, and tonight we are doing the long-awaited roundtable on the War of the Bounty Hunters. But before we dive into it, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Let me go around and introduce all my other hosts. Tonight, as always, we have Caleb Laminac. Caleb, how are you? I'm doing very well. I'm excited to be here. Um... It feels like this is something that we've been uh, talking about for literally like half of our show. So it's like, have we not already talked about Ward Bounty Hunters? <laughs> but you'll be surprised. We got some more nuggets and some good information here. So uh, sit tight and we'll have a great show tonight. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It feels like we've been talking about it for a long time. But uh, yeah, can't wait to talk about it some more. And next up, as always, our producer, almost done with his semester, Jacob Bosch. How are you? Yay. Uh, I'm all right. Uh, yeah, I have one more final to go, and then I get to go home, and I'm very excited about that. I'm r- burnt out, and I am I need a break, so can't wait for finals to be over. But I know I know you've been there as well, Emma. So. Oh, yeah. I've, I was done Almost, a week ago yeah. today, and it feels so good to have that break, and you can play as much Halo mm-hmm. as you want, and it's fantastic. So good stuff. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for you to, to have all the free time you want. All right. And uh, back again this week is Timothy Guthrie filling in for Tyler. Timothy, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Um, I have beat the Halo campaign, just for the record. Um, And I also had to rep the Mandalorian shirt. I I recognize that this is technically Cobb Vanth, but like it's the armor, so it counts, right? Oh, yeah, it does count. I, I kind of, for a second, I honestly thought that that was Master Chief on your shirt. And I was going to say, fair, uh, uh, fair play, like that was, that was good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, by the way, the other day I found out there's a Master Chief Funko Pop. Like they make Funko Pops of him. I, uh, I don't know. I got to see. Uh, I, I, I did send Tyler um, some Master Chief themed uh, hockey pads yesterday. So I saw that. <laughs> that was knows? so cool. So cool. <laughs> uh, if you can't tell, um, we love collecting and merchandise here. It doesn't necessarily have to stop at Star Wars, but uh, yeah, that's a conversation for another time, I suppose. All right. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are a Star Wars comics podcast and not a Halo podcast that broadcasts live right here on YouTube.com slash Utini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. If you can't join us live, that's okay because we're also available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We're also part of the Utini Podcast Network of nearly a dozen shows and a Discord channel at utini.com slash Discord with more than a thousand members with dozens of channels to choose from. If you like what you see and want to say thanks, then head over to our Patreon channel at patreon.com slash Utini, where for as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini Podcast Network of shows, as well as, as exclusive merch and community involvement activities. All right, first up, as we always do, it's our weekly pull list. Jacob, we've got some really awesome stuff out this week. Tell the people about it. Yes, we do. We have uh, two single issues as well as a trade paperback that came out this week. And first up is High Republic number 12, The Spirit of Destiny. This is written by Kevin Scott with pencils by Georges Genti. Uh, the cover is from Phil Noto. 
The inker is Carl Story with colors from Carlos Lopez and letters from Ariana Meyer. Uh, then we also had the High Republic Adventures Annual 2021. This one, so every basically every single writer in the High Republic Writers Room got to write a little short story in here. So uh, there are a lot of creators on this one. So the different stories in order are Set for Life, No Stone Unturned, First Mission, Crash and Crew, Do What They Do, and The Hall. And the writers were Charles Soule, Claudia Gray, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, and Kevin Scott. With pencils from Sam Beck, Jason Liu, Yale Nathan, Jesse Lonegren, uh, and Stefano Simone, and color, additional colors from Megan Huang, and letters from Joanna Natalie, Neil Uyatake, uh, Jake M. Wood, and Nathan Wittick. So that's a lot, a mouthful, but there's everyone on this one. And then lastly, we had uh, Dr. Afra Volume 3. This is the uh, War of the Bounty Hunters tie-in arc for Dr. Afra. It's written by Alyssa Wong, pencils by Minkyu Jung, color is by Sarah Pacelli, Vic- the inker is Victor Olazaba, colorist Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter Joe Caramanga. So uh, uh, quite the mouthful between all those, but uh, the links for those, if you want to pick them up for yourself, are as always in the YouTube description. Yeah, very good stuff this week. Um, really excited to dive into those High Republic uh, issues. I haven't had a chance to do so yet today. But I will later tonight because I heard they were awesome, as always. I mean, isn't the higher public always just awesome? You can count on it being awesome, for sure. All right. Normally, we would do uh, our segment, What We're Loving, but it's a roundtable. We've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to skip that today and instead go right into uh, our ad for Utini.gifts. So roll it, and we'll be right back. All right, we are back, and uh, it's December 15th as we are recording this live, so you still have a little bit of time to get some Star Wars gifts for the people in your life, so utini.gifts, that's where you find them. Uh, we were saying to, to each other uh, over the break that um, we, we saw some stuff in there we really want to buy. Each time I see the ad, I find something, find something I want to buy, so go do it before you run out of time. All right, so let's dive right into our roundtable on War of the Bounty Hunters. A little bit of background on this. Uh, it's written by the great and wonderful Charles Soule, with art from Luke Ross and Steve McNiven. Colors from Niraj Manan and Laura Martin. The cover is also by Steve McNiven. Uh, letters uh, from uh, Travis Lanham. And uh, this trade paperback contains uh, War of the Bounty Hunters 1 through 5, so the whole miniseries, plus the alpha, which is like, I guess you could call it issue uh, number zero. So um, before we dive into our our plot summary uh let's go around and 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 rate the the book with a brief description of why you're giving it that rating so i feel like it is only polite to start with our guest timothy so timothy what do you got Uh, you're a rude person you're a rude person no i'm just (laughs) kidding um this was good for me um i really liked it i think i'm gonna give it uh let's say an 8.5 um, I feel like there were some sections of it that I wished that um, I had known more about the characters. And because I wasn't keeping up with, I think, two of the ongoing runs, I got a little bit lost. Um, but every I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the way that they were able to bring the characters together, the way that they made Han the centerpiece without... He was the MacGuffin, but he was all about him. Um, I love that. Um, and so, yeah, I could, I, I'm sure we'll sing its praises all throughout. But yeah, I'm going to say an 8.5. All right, very good. Jacob, what, what, what are you going to give this? 
I think I'm going to go with an eight on this one. I really like the story. And it's, I mean, I'm trying to rate it based just on what we were talking about today. So mm. just the one through five and alpha. Because um, I have different thoughts on the event as a whole. I think an eight is about where I land. My biggest issue is probably pacing. Um, again, that's a lot of that's probably from my holdover from when I first experienced it altogether. Uh, but yeah, I think it, I think an eight's uh, it, it's a good story overall. I, I liked it. It just I had a few few qualms here and there. Fair enough, Caleb. What are you gonna score this? Um, I think I'm going to stick with Timothy here and give it an eight point five. A really good overall. I feel like sometimes if you were to try to read it all the series you know, with all the companion pieces and all the you know, fellow series all at the same time, it could be an issue. So sometimes I feel like that actually drag it down. But just the series itself, one through five plus the alpha, easy eight point five. All right, fair enough. And I think, I think, um, I think I'm gonna give it an eight point seven. And I say that because I don't feel like it quite got up to the nine for me. But I also want to go over you guys a little bit. I guess I don't know. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm I'm being a little competitive here. No, but um. I really enjoyed the story. Like you guys, I also felt that there were um, a few parts that kind of dragged along every once in a while. Um, And I feel like that was because they were really trying to leave spaces in the story where it would make sense to put in those companion issues, Um, which which is fair. It's it's a comic book event. Um, But I really loved the introduction of, of Kira. And I know that we're going to you know, sing the praises of that moment specifically uh, much later on. So I thought it was really good stuff in general, a uh, good mix of characters and not too much Boba Fett. I was worried that this was going to be just straight up Boba Fett and it wasn't. There was quite a bit of diversity. So really, really liked that. All right. Those are our scores. Now let's dive into our plot summary. And we're going to start with the uh, alpha issue. And uh, Timothy, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, sure. So we get started with a absolute bang. Um, Boba Fett with a cargo of Flash Frozen Solo is on his way to Jabba's palace, um, but the Carbonite is failing and it could kill Han. So Fett makes a detour to Nar Shaddaa to get a slicer doctor to fix it. But in order to pay him, he has to enter the fighting rings to squash the current champion. After winning, which he does, of course he does, he returns to find the doctor dead and Solo missing. Next up, uh, Han Solo's slab makes its way to a mysterious hooded figure, uh, but meanwhile, Jabba has placed a very large bounty on Boba Fett's head for the delay in his shipment, and of course, everyone wins, wants in on that action, including four LOM and Zuckus. However, uh, Boba Fett is able to drop them with ease, uh, and then uh, Jabba is headed off to a auction held by a mysterious uh, figure. It turns out to be none other than Kira, the new leader of Crimson Dawn. Exactly. In issue two, we kind of, uh, get straight into the action. Uh, Kira has managed to attract bidders from all the major syndicates of crime, as well as the Empire. Everyone has gathered aboard the uh, ballroom on her flagship, the Vermilion. Uh, Boba Fett defeats a fellow bounty hunter Bosk as he sneaks into the auction. And Jabba wins up, winds up winning the bidding with a cool one million credits. But the rebels, led by Leia, have utter plans. However, everything comes to a screeching halt when Darth Vader himself arrives to uh, throw a wrench in the works. Things start to heat up as Chewbacca and Boba Fett get locked in a fight. 
and Vader attempts to subvert Jabba's winning bid by taking Solo for himself. However, Kira, determined to keep her plans on track, end up engaging Vader in hand-to-hand combat and manages to hold her own for quite some time uh, due to part of her training from both Darth Maul and uh, Dryden Voss. But she's eventually overwhelmed by Vader. Meanwhile, Luke's kind of just showing up to the party in his X-Wing when Vader calls him out. Turns out that if Luke doesn't come to confront him, Vader will destroy Han Solo, his best friend. Exactly. Kind of a brutal end there. Vader leaves his lackeys to transport Solo uh, to his Super Star Destroyer as he moves to 1v1 Luke. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Fett free uh, Dringar from his partnership with Valence, as the fellow bounty hunter, as they team up to pursue to transport. However, they aren't the only ones in pursuit. Uh, the Hot Armata, under the command of Boku, and the Rebels... Uh, uh, in the Millennium Falcon are all chasing after Solo. And the crazy space slugs that they are, space battle escalates as Baku the Hutt goes all in with his forces against the Empire. Um, amidst the chaos, the Rebels, um, Fett and Valance and Solo, they all end up on board the Executor. Um, very quickly into their mission, Boba torpedoes his alliance with Valence and leaves him for dead. Um, he ends up confronting the Rebels over Solo. However, a hole is blasted in the hole and Solo falls out into the atmosphere. In the end, the Huts are defeated and Vader kills most of their High Council, a la Episode 3 on Mustafar. Um, Crimson Dawn has made waves and positioned themselves for more power plays. The Rebels end up falling back defeated and Boba, as always, he gets his man what a series <laughs> I know. wow that was like woo, crazy i i love the way that you know we're especially with crimson rain having started what was it last last week um it yep. feels yeah. it feels like very connected or it feels like it's gonna be very connected at least from what we've read so far and that's that's super exciting can't wait for it like was... four years in down the line when we can get the uh omnibus with everything together Oh, I know. Uh, that's gonna crazy. be crazy. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> this was this was wild going through and ma- doing helping with the summary. Like, there's so much that happened here. Like, it's only six issues, but like, I was like, yeah, okay, there's another. Like, we usually try and keep it to, like three to f- like three bullet points tops per issue, but there's just so much happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But it, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like like too crowded. I guess, which is which is good. There is a lot that happens for sure. Um, but before we dive into like the our overall thoughts. Let's break down some characters first, as we as we do usually here at Utini. Absolutely, uh, Caleb, take it take it off. Well, the man of the hour, the one on all the issue covers, Boba Fett himself. Let's dig a little bit more into Boba Fett's uh, discussions here. Um, you know, there's a couple like uh, interesting dis- points I could bring out here. I think the first one I want to talk about is during the Clone Wars era, we saw young Boba Fett you know, uh, going around the galaxy, and he had an entire team with him, including Bosk and, um, and, uh, Alora Sling, or a Sing? Sling? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sing, yeah. Sing, yeah. Sing. I'm always forget if that's Sling or Sing. But yeah, he had an entire team with him, but literally he cannot go an entire issue without, like, betraying someone in this entire, uh, series. Like, w- what do you think has happened to Boba Fett to make him such a solo act now? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't, ugh. That's a re- I haven't even thought about that because you're right. I mean, he does. I feel like maybe he was working with a team in the Clone Wars because he was young and naive and didn't really know what he was doing yet. And then he learned all the tricks of the trade and decided to go off on his own and just be better than everybody else because he knew that he could do things better than everybody else. Like if he wasn't 
held back by a team. I feel like a team just kind of holds him back. You know, he he's such a he he's so much better on his own with like his skill set and you know, he doesn't communicate very well like with anyone and you need to do that to be part of a team. So the the team setting is not very good for Boba Fett. <laughs> so yeah, I think perform- oh, go ahead. Yeah, what's the what's the quote that that he and I guess Django used to what like they they're just simple men, right? He's just yeah. a simple man. I think he even says it in the series at one point. And I think the the more people you have on the team with you, the more complicated it gets, um, more opportunities for failure. And so for the biggest baddest bounty hunter of them all, um, I you know I think it it's fitting that once he got to come into his own. Um, I think he used those, you know, that, that team as a stepping stone of sorts. And I think that once he was able to come into his own, it was just much easier for him to facilitate that way and way more money, right? <laughs> you get the whole <laughs> horde to yourself. That's true. Yeah. As I was about to say, I think Boba Fett in his performance review constantly gave himself uh, low uh, social uh, uh, intelligence and ability to work well with teams. Like, it is interesting. I wonder if we'll ever explore that a little bit more, like Boba Fett in his teenage years. Like we could, you know, with the series that's coming out soon, maybe we'll get some flashbacks to him as a kid and learning why he doesn't trust well. Even though it looks like Boba Fett in this new uh, series that we're getting, getting is going to be working very closely with Finnick Shard. So we'll see if that's a, we'll see if that's something that will last the entire uh, series. I have no idea. There was um, an issue in Age of the Old Republic, maybe, or something like that. Age of Republic. Age of Republic. That's what it was. Age of Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it, I would like an Age of the Old Republic. I know, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Wish it into existence. No. <laughs> yes, but th- there's an issue in Age of Republic where um, where Boba or where Django teaches Boba basically how to how to get into his own and and he works with the team to begin with right but I think the lesson at the end of that story was that um even if you have a team you're always the smartest person on it <laughs> and mm-hmm. and and learning some valuable tools on on how to how to do both um but yeah yeah it's like it's like why why drag the rest of the team with you when you can like you said have the whole bounty for yourself and inevitably do less work cuz you're not having to deal with other people <laughs> Exactly. Mm-hmm. So speaking of Boba Fett's almost like vindictive nature with um, portraying all these things, despite st- uh, stealing with him, Fett doesn't seem to be out to necessarily ruin Crimson Dawn. Um, we might see that with the new series that we have going on, but he definitely doesn't seem to be taking a lot more cool and professional step back when it comes to Crimson Dawn itself. Any feedback on that? Why do you think he might not be like full revenge mode on the uh, Kira's group here? I mean, I don't know if, well, one, I don't know if he has a really a reason to be, I mean, they, yeah, they took his bounty, but like he, he, you know, he's there to get back what he, you know, is his. And then after that, I mean, why would one person take on an entire criminal syndicate that we've seen has, I mean, has their fingers like everywhere. Like they got double agents pretty much all across the galaxy. I mean, he, he's, uh, I mean, he's a man on a mission, but the, the, the mission can only go so far. Yeah, I, and yeah, I also I, feel like maybe he doesn't have, like, enough of a personal vendetta against them to go against them. Because I feel like I feel like Boba Fett's the kind of per- person, like, don't wrong him and he won't wrong you. I feel like he definitely has some sort of moral standard for that. Um, I mean, he even said in one of the issues to uh, Leia and Lando and Chewbacca, like, 
stay out of my way and I won't get in yours or something like that. Um, so I just, I just don't think that he's had enough personal experience with them to, to care. I think he only cares about the thing that's in front of him and that's his bounty. Yeah. And I think he had more pressing concerns immediately after Han was stolen and that Jabba then put a bounty on him. (laughs) Right. And so, and if anything, he kind of carries that through, you know, to the end of like, you know, Jabba's like, it was just a mistake, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I've already canceled the, the contract, but, um, no, there's, there's a much more, um, a, a much deeper, more personal issue, I think, um, Emma, like you were talking about, with, with Jabba than with Crimson Dawn as a whole. Mm-hmm. It, Jabba mistakenly put up. Yeah, mis- a, it was an accident. My finger slipped. Yeah, as, <laughs> uh, as you do, the little oopsie. <laughs> uh, uh, more on that later. But uh, one last little quick thing here. Boba has quite a few scenes being very confrontational with Bib Fortuna, Jabba's major domo, his second in command. Do you think these might have been added to uh, give some more weight to the... Uh, how Bibb's uh, eventual end was shown in the Mandalorian television show. I absolutely do. And I didn't think about it the first time that I read I read it, but with Book of Boba Fett coming up and it being on my mind, I was like, oh my goodness, like this kind of explains what happened at the end there. Like why, I mean, obviously Boba doesn't like Bibb. I mean, you know, why would he? But this definitely seemed like way more confrontational and made things make a, a lot more sense. And it, it honestly just got me excited, like, I hope we get to see a flashback to that whole like taking over Jabba's palace. Um, it, it definitely th- this miniseries in general got me very excited for Book of Boba Fett. I mean, more than I already was. Trust me, I already am. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to see see more of him and and hopefully some more backstory with Bib Fortuna. Absolutely. Well, may not backstory. No one cares about Bib Fortuna that much, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> so, but. <laughs> Moving on to like the next related character here, let's actually talk to Jabba a little bit here. Um, definitely kind of a big mover and player, not necessarily in front of everyone, but kind of behind the scenes here. Um, he moved very quickly to uh, throw Boba Fett under the bus. You know, the moment like he learned that Boba Fett lost um, Han, he didn't contact Boba Fett first. He immediately just went and switched and put a giant bounty out on his head. Um... Do you think that Jabba might have it out for Fett? Do you think Jabba just doesn't like the fact that, fact that one of his uh, favorite players might be getting too big for his britches here? Mm. I don't know if he has it out. I mean, I feel like it's just, it's not that he has it out for Fett. It's just that he doesn't, I mean, he's not, Boba's not his friend. I mean, mm-hmm. he, like, for Jabba, like, he's got all these different, like, assets, different players, different um underlings below him and if they're not doing what he wants them to i mean at that point might as well just uh i don't know feed him to the sarlacc or feed him to your ranker like it, it, the, the uh the, re- the business relationship with jabba only extends as far as you are useful to him and when you can't bring in han solo you're no longer useful yeah and i, I also think that because jabba kind of has like an investment in in these bounty hunters and in Boba Fett, like he's very distrustful of them when things go wrong. I don't think he trusts them to fix any problems that happen along the way. And he would kind of like rather fix the problem himself than rely on, on Boba to do it. Because as far as Jabba knows, I mean, Boba could have like lost Han to somebody uh, that Jabba wouldn't know how to find later on. And that could create a bigger problem for him in the future or something like that. And, yeah, I think he'd he'd rather as much as he's lazy. I mean, we know he's lazy, right? I feel like in a way he would rather get his own, you know, hands, you know, 
quote unquote dirty uh, than, than to trust other people to do it. Exactly. Not that we're really talking about it, but in the uh, the one shot, the, jo- the Jabba the Hutt one shot, like he wasn't even the star of his own one shot. He it <laughs> clearly showed that he was more interested in having bounty hunters do his job and, you know, using manipulation to get them into what he wants, you know, kind of, you know, twisting them and, you know, using uh, money or bribes or threats to get what he wants. Um, speaking of spending money to get what he wants... As we mentioned in the recap, he spent a whole million credits on Solo. Is Solo really worth that much? I don't have a good sense for, like, I've never had a good sense for, like, the, ex- exchange, like, the exchange rate. rate. What, 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 is, what is a credit worth? Like is, like, is that a credit a dollar? Like, I don't like, know. Like, does one credit buy um, you a pack of gum? Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What can I get for a credit? So, I don't, I don't know. I don't, like, even if he wasn't, I feel like it's just jabba like throwing it like it's not it's like just a show like it, like i'm sure the the huts have billions of credits lying around so like for him it's just a power move exactly like i think if you were watching like how the uh bidding was going i think it was like like a quarter of that before it's just like you know what screw it i'll just jump it up to a million just to uh intimidate everyone else to knowing that they're not actually doing anything for me and and the other thing is too like i feel like it depends on who you ask like if he's worth that much if you ask like leia and luke they'd say absolutely he's worth a million credits he's worth a billion credits a trillion credits if you ask like uh i don't know kira sana yeah i mean so yeah i mean it definitely depends like I think it was Santa, right? She had a line in there that was like, yeah, wait till Han yeah. figures out that he went for this much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll never yeah. stop talking about it. Something like that. Oh, that's yep. great. Yeah, that's a great line. Exactly. So Job is definitely kind of the big slut, uh, the big hut on the uh, on a big slut parade here. He's throwing constant shade at his fellow member of the council, Boku the Hut. Like, he is like constantly like, talking smack to him. Is is this a power play or is just, you know, Jabba being mean to his uh, to his junior? Oh, I think it's definitely a power play. I mean, everybody in this comic is is in it for a power play. They're all trying to use each other to get what they eventually want. Um, and I think, I mean, Jabba's been around for a hot minute. I think he knows that uh, many of his compatriots are not that bright. <laughs> and he's thinking he's thinking further down the line of, like, the, uh, the alliance that I have with the Empire is going to mean way more than, you know, this petty little squabble among the family. So, no. uh, uh, There's a scene where Boku comes up to, like, uh, Darth Vader after he interrupts the uh, auction. And, and Vader looks at Boku and looks to Jabba and says, who is this creature that's talking to me? Yeah, and Jabba says, savage. no one. It's no one. <laughs> so <laughs> like, savage. Like, while he's standing right there, like, oh man, such a such a big power move. Yeah, the, the dynamics between all of the huts is just so funny and crazy and interesting i honestly kind of want more of it even though it would probably be boring because it's not like they like move or anything there would be like no action but i mean just the way that they talk to each other like um you know the really old hut uh oh marlo yeah marlo and (laughs) she like woke up and was like talking about oh lena so is the chancellor and she's got these big cats (laughs) and that like that sent me us it was so funny (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, unfortunately, there's not many huts around left That's true. to have like discourse with That's now true. that this event's over. <laughs> exactly. I do have to give a plug, I guess for the second week in a row, um, Star Wars Archives recently released an episode on um, on the huts at, at my recommendation, mind you, because I found out that um, the hut was not Jabba's last name and it absolutely blew me away. There were like clans and all this other stuff. So a lot of good, oh, yeah, it's a lot I, of good hut content. I don't even know how to pronounce it. But it's like just just generic, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that, I, I, I see. It's like a word, like a letter scramble, like, and I've never, like, my mind has never even attempted to like think about what it would sound. Yeah, like. Yeah, that is an absolutely legendary episode of Star Wars Archives, and if you're at Something all interested else. in in what we're talking about right now, you have to listen to it. It's so good. <laughs> oh my god! Exactly. So, uh, speaking of big power plays here, uh, Kira, the the one we had no idea was even in this. You know, they teased the ward bounty hunters for a while. Never in a million years would we have guessed that she would be the one showing up. Um, you know, definitely a real surprise that she showed up after being gone for as the can for about, I guess, 10 years. How now when she has like thousands of sleeper agents across wow. the galaxy, do you think that's all she was doing is just, um, gearing up for this big event here and what's going on here do we think she was just doing sleeper agents where was she the last 10 years do you have any uh ideas hopes thoughts i think um i bet there's no way that this is the only thing she was doing because she seems like the type of person that's smart enough to work on multiple things at a time so if one thing goes poorly she can have some backup plans um i personally think and i also hope that we get to see this i think that she was um learning some sith stuff uh i don't i know that sounds like kind of vague but i mean we see it in one of the issues she's it kind of looks like she's using the force and holding up a sith holocron and i kind of i might have screamed when i saw that um because what if she like trained herself to use the dark side of the force with like maul or something like that i really hope we get to see uh, whatever she learned, because clearly, I mean, first of all, she one thing that we all know is that she was at the gym, okay, during this period of <laughs> yes. time, because she is buff. Mm-hmm. She did and, not skip arm day. <laughs> no, she did not. Nope. And, uh, you know, she's like wielding those like, I don't know, electric batons, like, batons. Yeah. And uh, so she's definitely doing some fight training and maybe some force training and maybe maybe also some artifact collecting or something if she was hanging out with maul we know he loves to do that um and also probably keeping tabs on han solo absolutely well speaking of solo do you think it's kind of fun kind of why interesting that solo was the one who inadvertently kind of put her into her position and yet and he's kind of the catalyst that is bringing her back out into the galactic uh, forefront well, she had like that line at like I think at the end of issue one where she's like, you know, giving him the chance to rescue her one last time or something along those lines. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely it's it's a it's a complicated relationship between the two of them, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was interesting. Um, I guess it would have been at the end of issue one where she, um, you know, expresses that the whole galaxy hates him. There are some who love him. There are some who owe him and some, you know, who are owed by him, I guess. And it was just interesting. And I never thought of it that particular way. Um, But to have this notorious smuggler who she also happens to have had a crush on back in the day. I mean, like, it's a very 
it's risky because it's so personal, you know, to, to be put in that situation, but it's brilliant on her part too, because he is a known and notable figure um, for various reasons. He's the only one that could have united the entire galaxy like this. Apps. Also helps that he's a, he's a, a uh, carbonite slab right now. Oh yeah, so yeah he can't sure. really do much for about sure. it. It's like, all right, here's my Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is. I mean, I I found it kind of interesting that um, that is what brought Crimson Dawn back out in, into the limelight. But the other thing too, I mean, she had to have heard that Lando, or maybe not had to have. It, it's it's possible that she knew Lando was in the rebellion. It's possible, um, and I find that interesting, uh, knowing that. Uh, let's see, Chewbacca knows her, and Lando knows her, uh, and obviously Han, but that doesn't matter right now. <laughs> um, so I just found that kind of interesting. I wish that we got to see, I mean, Lando kind of made this off comment about her uh, being like very deadly or something like that. Um, I wish that we got to see like Chewbacca's reaction. I know that we, you know, he only like makes sound effects, but it may be like a reaction of him like seeing her or whatever would have been fun. I don't know. It's it's very did interesting. They, did they interact in Star Wars issue 18 that when she comes aboard the oh, Falcon? I can't remember. Mm. Oh, I don't remember I don't, either. That feels uh, like a lifetime ago. <laughs> it probably would have been. I think it might have been just like a panel or two. Yes. They they definitely, yeah, they were around. Good. Okay. I, I'm not going to read through the issue and say what his thoughts are right now. But yes, they did. They didn't see each other. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to read through that again. But I mean, I guess that's a, that's a kind of a good example of how some character dynamics are a little lost here if you're just reading the this trade paperback and none of the other companions so i I guess this is a good instance of that where you know some some of the companion issues are more important than others for sure but um Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely look at the last little bit of character that we can talk about even though he has his own series his vader did show up himself to uh make a grand entrance here like he pretty much just shows up onto the stage and says well i'm taking solo now and i'm not paying you any money like there's an imperial uh representative there do you th- like obviously vader can do what vader will do but do you think the empire still has enough power that you know even non-vader agents of the empire could have tried to uh, pull that off or is Vader like the actually, only person? They actually brought that up in the issue. Like I think it was um, Admiral Modi or Modi, whatever his rank is. He asks um, the Baron, like, why are we even bothering bidding? Like, you know, where the Empire just taken? She told him that they, the Empire has business relationships with all these crime syndicates, and they can't just like up, like show them up. Well, Vader can because Vader does whatever he wants, but like the the empire like the the just bureaucrats of the empire can't just show them all up because it's going to ruin the deals they have going with them right now and obviously you need their support to you know help build the secret giant metal space ball that you're working on right one. now so now yeah now that do you have to wonder like do the uh the other crime lords when they see vader show up do you think they're like oh okay i'll just give them the vader allowance like i know like you know, just because Vader did this, I'll still trust and work with the rest of the bureaucrats. But you know, do they do you think that they know Vader's kind of like a loose cannon for the Empire? I, I think so, and I also think that they're too. Most of them, the smart ones, anyways, are too scared to say otherwise. I think because, I mean, I wouldn't want to argue against him. I mean. Yeah, he can take whatever he wants. I don't want to mess with that. I mean, especially when yeah. he's walking in with like a bunch of death troopers too. It's not just Vader. I mean, he's got some elite elite troopers with him too. So he definitely has a scarier presence than just like 
Slymore and some stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a bit of a sense of self-preservation going on around in that room right now. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, he's he, he's a legend. He's a nightmare. Like you don't you don't touch that. <laughs> yeah, but like you guys were saying, I mean, like the whole reason why the Empire didn't take uh, just take Han Solo and they bid on him instead is because of the political relations. Well, Vader doesn't really have any stakes in those political relations, and he also doesn't he, he doesn't care. To, to be careful about it and he doesn't Vader want to doesn't have tiptoe relations. around well exactly that's exactly right like he he does kind of have that aura about him he gets things done instead of just fiddling around in bureaucracy well and he does still recognize the power structures within some of that mm. like Jabba wasn't among the huts that he slayed at the end um, and and he still tries to find a way you know the, there was the whole um uh, it's one of our next questions but it's like he the emperor still knows that there's some value in jabba i guess um and vader still knows that as well so it's very interesting that he can still recognize that even if he doesn't really care (laughs) exactly like speaking of like backroom politics while he's dogfighting with luke he distinctly tells admiral admiral piet one second who pardon do not interrupt me unless it's from the Emperor himself. So when Piot needs him to uh, go to the uh, Hut War um, you know, flagship, he literally just calls the Emperor and says, Hey, get your boy on this, please. <laughs> like, is that a good move? Like, we know that somehow Piot survives to be killed by a rebel, but like, usually circumnavigating and, and playing in like, essentially playing the letter of the law and like using reverse cards on Darth Vader is not a good way of... Uh, remaining in charge i don't think he had a choice (laughs) i mean vader told him directly don't talk to me um so the next thing that you have to do because you recognize what's happening is phone a friend and yeah that friend happens to be the most powerful man in the galaxy but um yeah i don't think he was left with left with much of a choice otherwise i think he would have taken the fall for not have interrupting vader when he probably should have um because that's also been a a weird tricky situation with vader (laughs) Caleb, you, you put the image in my mind of, um, uh, who was it? Who was the Admiral? Uh, Piet. Piet. You put this image of my in my head of Piet just whipping out an Uno reverse card and slapping it down. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Take that! <laughs> yeah, I don't, that, Vader does not play Uno, though, so I don't think that'd be, that would be a wise long-term no, he, discussion. He, he doesn't have the patience for it, he just force chokes everybody. <laughs> Exactly. All right, so that was a kind of our character discussions. So let's talk about some overarching questions here. It's more open-ended stuff, so let's chase some rabbit holes here. I, I think this one's a kind of an obvious one, but who is like the main hero of this whole series, this whole arc? Hmm. This is a really good question. Uh, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say, because I feel like mine is really wild. Are you gonna say Kira? No, I actually I wasn't. It's the first one that came to my mind, but no, that's not who I was gonna say. Okay. Okay. Like I'll say the obvious one is Boba Fett. Like he's definitely the point of view character. He shows up in all the series, but he's definitely Bo- Boba Fett isn't exactly a heroic archetype. Like mm-hmm. he was definitely like he goes through the thing, he loses something and tries very hard to uh, regain it, but he does it in all like the most like dirty underhanded betrayal sort of ways possible so he's definitely uses intimidation and shooting and guns and flamethrowers to get his way so he's definitely like the 
protagonist, but I don't feel like he's really a hero as far as this story goes. Okay, so I'll tell you guys what I'm thinking and let me know what you guys think. This is not the one that I want it to be, by the way, but this is the one I really truly think it is. And I think it's Valence um, hmm. because he he stopped Boba from shooting at the Falcon um, and he, he prevented him from doing a lot of uh, things that would have jeopardized the mission and in turn Han's eventual survival. Like it's like, it's it's kind of like um I don't know if Valence wasn't there something I feel like Boba would have done something that wouldn't have led to Han's rescue later on down the line I don't know what that would be but maybe maybe killing the rebel maybe he stopped them from killing the rebels even I don't know yeah yeah I I'm going to I will I you know I will I will say Kira so I I don't think. Boba Fett, like, really only... I mean, he's definitely the main focus of Alpha and issue number one. But he, like, is kind of in on the, the back burner for, like, two or three issues until the end from there. And uh, Valence, even worse. So, like, straight up doesn't appear until, like, issue four. Which, like, going back, I, like, didn't realize it. But, like, running through the issues today, I'm like, oh, he's, like... He, like, was really, you know, out there for a while. It took him a long time to show up. So, yeah, I'm going to say Kira... I think, I mean, she was, you know, at least, like, obviously she doesn't show up in the alpha, but, like, almost no one does besides Boba Fett. Um, but she, I mean, she plays a prominent role in every other issue. She is, the like, you know, the reason that everyone is coming together. She Like, she's causing, like, the main conflict between everyone. Um, well, also Han Solo, but I'm not going to say the, like, brick uh brick smuggler <laughs> is going to be the hero and i'm not really worried about like you know who what moral side she's on but i think she's definitely like the main figure the main like the the focal point of the series okay i i would agree with you there like i was when i said valence i was thinking more on like who is the moral hero of the story so okay. yeah i i yeah. definitely yeah. agree with kira then yeah i i'm just gonna say all of you are wrong um, the real hero of the story is the seismic charge that Boba oh. dropped in space. There is nothing more oh. satisfying than even just seeing that burn like because you can hear it. You can hear it in your yes, brain. You can absolutely <laughs> hear it. That's the real yeah. hero. At a twenty percent case, your honor. At a twenty percent power, <laughs> we're all wrong. Yep, yep. exactly. <laughs> and that, right. that's a good one. Now, speaking of Han Solo and him being a slab, like that is a question I think that is an interesting take. Do you think this whole story would have been any different if Han Solo, instead of being frozen in carbonate, was just, like, shackled in, like, a prisoner instead of being, like, an inanimate object? Do you think his hit that would have changed things if he could be mouthing off during this entire time? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't think it would have well, changed any of the outcomes, per se. I think it... Uh, I don't know. That's tough because because when you think about it, I mean, Han could definitely pull some tricks to get himself out of some tough situations. But when you're in uh, a block of carbonite, you, you don't have any choice. You just you just got to sit there. So I think I think maybe it prevented some plot loopholes that could have been utilized, perhaps. I think um, I think the story definitely. Uh, is more enjoyable with him as kind of this object of attention instead of being, or th I should say the inanimate object of attention <laughs> um, than, than being live and kind of a 
personality of his own. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it changes the story much. I mean, obviously you kind of have to retcon a little bit of Empire Strikes Back to even have that be a possibility unless you have them thawed and then mm-hmm. refrozen we down the to. road. <laughs> True, it could have happened, yeah. honestly. I don't know. I just the the image of someone on an auction block in in shackles, Ooh, not not true. great. IMO. Yeah, so that's very true. Yeah. We, we, we did we did change Boba Fett's uh, uh, ship name. So yeah, I, I yeah I'm glad I'm yeah rather yeah, yeah you're right yeah yeah I think I think it, while it could have lended itself uh, lended the story to some some quips. I think that whenever Han is alive and well, I think he tends to chew up every scene that he's in and is mm-hmm. and is the focal point. And mm-hmm. I think that this was a neat experience to let some others get the limelight. And especially yeah. with as big a character as Kira is, I think it definitely makes the story more emotional um, with him not being able to speak. Um, but I don't know. That could have been crazy. Um, I definitely think he would have chucked some shoulders and, and caused a little bit of damage. But yeah, I think I think the end result would have been the same. You actually or bring he up a good been point. He probably would have gotten shot. Let's be honest. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right there. And you're also right that he would have had to interact with Kira, which would have made things kind of um, more character dynamics focused than an actual like crime organizations dynamics focused i guess you could that was like quite a horrible sentence i just said but i think you get the point like we'd have to focus on their reunion he'd probably have to explain things to leia and that'd be pretty awkward and uh yeah i think it would cause more issues than solutions yeah, and, that, and none of us really know either, I mean, how the whole thing is going to wrap up at the end of the day, True. but like, I, I would almost imagine that they don't even get to see each other again, which is almost even more heartbreaking mm. at the end of the day, I think. But anyways. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you there. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. All right. So we're going to kind of take a meta step back here. The title of this whole series is War of the Bounty Hunters. Do we feel like bounty hunters and their internal war was given enough of a spotlight for this series or do we feel like this should have been named like something like await the dawn or like kira's back y'all <laughs> kira's back <laughs> y'all for sure put it on a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> no i feel like if anything this should have been more um maybe more syndicate focused mm. agreed yeah war of the yeah. syndicates is what i was thinking yeah because um, we've been leading up to in the verse i mean in meta in general i feel like we've been leading up to this whole concept um with syndicates but i think that that could have given it away um it could have leaked the the cure reveal and and perhaps um i don't know i but yeah i think the syndicates would have been better so i don't think that there's enough inner bounty hunter conflict going on well no and and i I also i feel like um i feel like the bounty hunters that were in it like bosk uh zuckus for LOM and Dengar, I feel like they were kind of just there to be there. I didn't really think that they had any anything much to do. I think their main line was more compelling and, mm-hmm. and did a better mm-hmm. job of, of demonstrating the war within the bounty hunters than Agreed. the series exactly. did. Like, like, when I think of a war of the bounty hunters, I think of, like, the Marvel Civil War sort of thing. Like, you know, where there's, like, two teams and two sides that were di- very definitely uh, duking it out. This is very much Boba Fett in free-for-all, you know? Like, Boba Fett versus the uh, the Empire or everyone else around him. 
Boba Fett versus everyone, like like those mm-hmm. those sports t shirts you see, like New England versus everyone, you know. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so one last kind of quick sort of thing as we're kind of taking a big step back. Of all the side comics, and I think we've touched on this a little bit, like the Star Wars, Darth Vader, Bounty Hunter, Saffron, which one do you think had the biggest impact and the biggest uh, relevance to the main story here? Are we counting one-shots, or are we just uh, looking at the ongoing let's say, series? Let's also say the one-shots as well. Let's throw that in there as well. Okay. I was kind of hoping you were saying no, because I feel like one-shots becomes the easy answer <laughs> uh, to that question. So, yes, one-shots. I feel like that definitely... The the Job of the Hut, IG-88, Four Laman Zuckus, and... Uh, oh, gosh, Bausch. what was the last one? Bausch. Uh, Bausch. Uh, I think those definitely added the most to the story as a whole. I've... But if, if, we're not, if we're not talking about that, I say Star Wars almost purely based on issue 18 alone. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I would have said, yeah. Yep. I think some of the others floundered a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And like there was one issue, I think, of Dr. Afra that was almost a word for word yes. carbon copy of like issue yep. three, I think. It's like it was issue two of the main series or the mini series. And I want to say issue 14 or 15 of Dr. Afra mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. Uh, right. basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Darth Vader was a little all over the place. But yeah, I think I think Star Wars had the most consistent and most pressing. And because that was something that was missing from. Um, I mean, yeah, we got, you know, the great line from Lando about, you know, Chewbacca taking it to, to Boba, but, um, I think the, the Star Wars line really showed more of the rebellions, um, role and especially what Luke was doing. Um, exactly. Like it, it was nice because the series could take a, like Star Wars took a, an episode out and like, Hey, we're going to do a Luke story for just like one issue. So we can kind of let mm-hmm. other things right. cook and steam there. I feel like the bounty hunter series did a lot of weight here. You know, yeah. you definitely, you know, getting um valence and like reminding us that hey him and han solo actually do have a past and he actually does really want to save solo here because he's trying to be a good guy here And i think where the series is going from here is definitely in a very different direction because of what happened in the war to bounty hunters and because of boba fett's a terrible teammate you know you know valence is in a really bad situation right now because of boba fett I have to say that coming out of this, and aside from Crimson Rain, obviously, I think I might be most excited to see what happens next in Bounty Hunters, just with where we left Valence. And I never thought I would ever say that, because Bounty Hunters has been consistently at the bottom of my rankings of the ongoing series, so I didn't expect to come out of this wanting, like, wanting to know what happens next with Valence and actually caring about him. But that, that, you know, this... definitely made that happen for me and yeah i'm I'm excited to see what happens next so i could i could certainly see the argument for bounty hunters absolutely so i think that's kind of our big overall discussion questions but as every time we do one of these roundtables we hand it over to jacob for the uh wook walk as we talk about all the little (laughs) easter eggs extras you know tie-ins everything that we have Sure thing. So, I mean, just to start off, this is so this, the first one's not an overt Easter egg, but I think it's a, definitely a, a little of an homage. Uh, the Boba Fett entering the fighting rings on Nar Shadda was definitely super reminiscent of the missions on Terrace mm. in KOTOR yes. or you're the mysterious stranger. <laughs> like, I mean, exact same vibes. He's like, you like fight all the like the crappy ones, like the girl on two fingers of the world until you finally get to the end and fight the champion. So definitely reminded me a lot of that. Uh, so then after that, uh, one of Kira's lieutenants, Margo, uh, had first appeared in Solo, 
while serving Dryden Voss. And there's a lot of stuff like in that that is from Solo first. But the thing that was cool about this is Margot uh, was actually the original design for Kira, oh. uh, and because they originally wanted her to be an alien, oh. uh, but when they changed that, they recycled her to be kind of like a a background character in the movie. Interesting. Um, yeah. After, later, during the oh, Hut Council meeting. Sorry, just real oh. quick. Also, well, just uh, there's a lot of other like visual things in Solo. Like if you uh, go through a couple panels, you'll see like Dryden Voss's oh, dagger there. We're getting. Oh, there. we are. We're okay, there. I didn't see that here. Yes. Oh, I scroll yep. down. I see it. Yeah, okay. So during the Hut Council meeting, they mentioned Crimson Dawn had a party on Shutorun, which was a volcanic like uh, mining planet mentioned in the Star Wars and Darth Vader 2015 series. Uh, Marlo the Hut, who appeared in The Clone Wars, uh, mentions working with Chancellor Lena So and her Targons during uh, from the High Republic when uh, they wake up in the middle of the meeting. Oh, uh, sorry, um, just one more quick interruption. It's he's probably named Marlo, Marlo after Marlon Brando, the character, the actor who played uh, in the Godfather series. Probably that's why he's called Marlo. Hmm. Probably mm-hmm. interesting. Right. Uh, most of this interesting thing I kind of like, uh, not an Easter egg, but something cool I noticed this time around was. Most almost every subgroup of the Shadow Collective was at present in the auction. So you had Crimson Dawn, the Black Sun, the Hut Clan, and the Pike Syndicate, mm. which were all controlled by Darth Maul at one point. Um, Administrator Moore, the Embaran, who's like the representative for the Empire at the auction, appeared as an aide to Palpatine all the way back in Revenge of the Sith. She's like the one that stands next to uh, Maz Meda in the Senate. Uh, and some another cool thing, not not an Easter egg, but well, kind of an Easter egg. Callback to Return of the Jedi. She, I totally missed this when I read through it the first time. She tries to mind trick everyone in the auction to not bid. Oh my god! Like, I don't, she's like, I didn't even notice. She's that. like, I'm gonna, yeah. She's like, puts her hand out. She's like, there will not be. Tr-. She's like, I'm gonna use my will. There won't be any more bids in the auction. Mm-hmm. How did I miss and, that? And, what? Uh, <laughs> I I missed it too. And then the, the and then the huts keep bidding. And like when the Imperials is like, well, that obviously didn't work. It's like, well, it's because the. The Huts don't have weak minds. Luke tried it, and he couldn't do it either. Oh my goodness! Um, That's insane. <laughs> later, uh, Afra's like doing a rundown of a bunch of the gang she sees at the at the auction, and she mentions mentions the Sun Tool Pride being there. Uh, they showed up back in the 2015 era, and were one of the groups briefly controlled by Triple Zero. <laughs> and she also sh- shouts out the From Gang, which is a Legends era gang. That was uh, created in the Droids cartoon series. Oh my god! <laughs> no, that's a deep cut. Uh, Someone sing the song. Kira... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Kira practices Terrace Kasi, which was first mentioned in Legends and Shadow of the Empire, which this is kind of a spiritual successor to in a way. Um, and she, we know she picked it up from Dryden Voss, who also practiced it in Solo. Uh, we see several, many more Easter eggs from Solo in Kira's chambers after she gets done with her fight with Vader. All these were on Dryden's ship, uh, his big uh, yacht. We have his big Sith holocron that Emma mentioned earlier. His uh, Kuzo Pitar, which are like his like brass knuckle knife things mm. that he fights uh, Han with. Uh, and our Ald- uh, uh, Alderanian armillary sphere. Kind of looks like a giant like sundial type thing. Uh, the Mytag Crystal Skull, which was in Solo and is originally from the Brian Daly Lost Paradise novel from the, the Daly Solo trilogy. Um, and maybe Indiana Jones and, also, and the Crystal Skull. I was about to say, yeah, and, also and maybe Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. 
But the daily book definitely came first. Right. So um, then uh, one of the huts asks when when uh, when Boku opens fire on the Empire. One of the huts asks, "What in Bunta's name is Boku doing?" Which you might be like, "Oh yeah, Bunta Eve, the Bunta Eve classic with uh, the the pod race and the Phantom Menace." Mm-hmm. However, Bunta has legends uh, ties as well. Bunta was a planet that was colonized by the huts and it was also known for a pod racing and a speeder racing scene mm. and again this also came from the droids cartoon in the oh 80s. my goodness <laughs> so i will again not seeing the song but uh, those were our easter eggs oh those were awesome hey. that, that might be the best easter egg section we've had yet that was very good i learned a lot well done well done yeah and anytime we can make a droids reference a shadows of the empire's reference um or yeah i mean there was no naked palpatine reference that's i think the only thing we're missing no <laughs> i'm sure we'll make many more uh shadows of the empire reference when we come around to talking about Crimson oh, Rain sure. in like six months i'm sure looking forward to that all right before we uh wrap it up tonight let's go around and see if any of our scores changed and uh also a little bit about why you are either staying at your score or raising your score or maybe lowering your score. Hopefully not that. Uh, <laughs> all right, Timothy, let's start with you. Cool. Uh, I'm going to bump mine up uh, to Emma's original and give it an 8.7. Awesome. Um, when I, after talking about it and going through it and remembering the way I felt while reading it um, the second time, it, it just connects so well. Like it flows very well from issue to issue, you know, particularly in the main series itself. Um, lots of fun Easter eggs um, and callbacks um, and just thinking about more of what the, the possibilities that this gives us to jump into, um, especially regarding the syndicates, especially with Kira being back. Um, there's just, there's so much fun to be had. Um, and I'm glad that we got that. I'm glad that, that they, we got this story this way. Um, I think it not being particularly about Boba Fett himself, I think maybe helped that. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for what comes next and yeah, yeah. 8.7. Awesome stuff. Jacob, do you change your score? Um, I'm a go 8.25 and go up a little bit. I still think the pacing was a, was probably my biggest issue, but the strongest part for me definitely was, uh, the characters. Mm. Um, I, like, I really liked how, uh, Boba Fett and I really really liked how Kira was handled um, and yeah it was it, it's it's a not easy thing to do to bring together so many different characters and so many different storylines and making them all kind of tie together in this way uh, so it, it's it's a lot of work and it's definitely definitely admirable like I, I certainly couldn't do it um, uh, yeah I think overall pacing is my big issue yeah just like going back and through and seeing that like it's War of the Bounty Hunters, and, like, Valence, one of the main bounty hunters right now, shows up on issue four. Like, that's, that's yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little much. And, uh, I, and I feel like we could have worked him in a little earlier. And dies half, well, a third of the way through issue five. Yeah, well, dies. But, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but overall, I still think it's very good. I, I mean, I definitely think it's worth the read, and I'd really be interested to see after Crimson Rain and Hidden Empire come out, like, what that entire, like, trilogy put together is going to look like, because I think that, like, will influence how I see this series uh, once you see that big picture and that the, the long view of everything. So, I'm gonna, yeah, 8.25 is where I'll leave it for now. Awesome. Caleb, what are your thoughts? 
Um, actually, I think I'm going to up this up to a 9.0. Nice. Um, I, I think reading this, I, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm reminded why I really was so excited about this when it first came out. This is, I think, what I've been really looking for. And, like, this is the apex of what Star Wars comics can really do. They can bring back, like, a character from the movies that you'd almost forgotten about, reintroduce them in a brand new context bring back all their favorite characters and put them in fun, exciting scenarios. You know, we get to see Jabba the Hutt, we get to see Boba Fett, we get to see Lando and Chewie and Leia, and we get to see, like, all your favorite characters coming back together and having a big action fest. So, seeing this all done at the same time, I think that's what really excited me about this uh, series. So, coming back and rereading it and talking about how good it was and how exciting it is because this is going to have um wait for other series that are going on i think this puts it to a 9.0 a lot of fun really good awesome good stuff um i am going to raise my score a tiny bit because i feel like after our conversation i have more appreciation for it so it feels wrong not to raise my score so i'm gonna give it an 8.8 um i just the pacing again, like like Jacob was saying, um, was definitely my biggest issue with it. Other than that, I didn't really have many other problems with it. I think you know, reading it on its own without the companion pieces kind of leaves a few gaps in in some stuff, but uh, not a huge deal. Um, I I think that the the amount of solo love that this series gives is worth it alone. If you like that movie, which I think a lot of people do. Um, and just setting up everything with with Crimson Rain, I think it's gonna be, um, I think it's gonna be something that we look back at and remember it for what it's set up and what it's done um, for the lore and stuff like that. So, really did uh, enjoy it, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what we get next, especially from from my girl Kira. <laughs> I, I have to say though, guys, I mean, I I never. Um, I've never reacted that way while reading a comic ever in my life. It was, it was like audible and I'm not even overreacting. I literally made noises. It was like, yeah, it's, it was crazy. So I will always remember it for that and look back on it fondly. It was one of the biggest moments of 2021 for Star Wars, I think, hands down. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys for the great conversation and thank you for coming back, Timothy. This was a lot of fun. Um, Next week is the week of Christmas, so we are going to be taking that week off. But fear not, we are still releasing content for you guys. Uh, I had the pleasure of pre-recording an episode of Cosmic Force with uh, Emily Daybeck from Legends Look Back. And uh, we did a pseudo roundtable i don't know if we can call it a roundtable if it doesn't have four people but yeah we could call it a roundtable it's a round table <laughs> more like a linear table i guess on uh jedi the dark side which was published in 2011 it's a legends comic that focuses on qui-gon jinn and one of his padawans and we had a great time discussing that so that will be uh dropping on youtube at eight o'clock eastern time uh just just like usual so keep your eyes peeled for that but with that, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Cosmic Force. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show right here on YouTube, where you can hear us live every Wednesday, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to subscribe to our audio version where, on whatever podcast platform you listen to. 
Be sure to visit utini.com for reviews, articles, and news for the entire expanded universe. We also encourage you to join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com discord. And you can help support the show by heading to patreon.com utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to J.G. Kars, O.K. Endar, Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander, and Earl Q. on our Jedi High Council, and Matt Billington, Tyler Latour, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. Woo. You can tweet at the show, at Cosmic Force Show, or at the host individually. I'm at IrmaJedi26, Caleb is at Caleb Lamanek, Jacob is at Jacob Bosch, and Timothy is at underscore T. Guthrie. Thanks again to Caleb, Jacob, and Timothy for hosting with me tonight, and a special thank you to you, our listeners, for joining. We truly appreciate it. And a happy holidays as well. See you next week, and may the Force be with you. 